You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. The house of God is a house of prayer, meaning those songs and that sermon, it was done and preached and sang in such a way to get you to talk and to communicate with God. And there's nothing greater than spending time with God. Amen? And so, um, while the tech team gets the first slide up there, I just want to say just a little bit about myself, see what time it is, because I don't want to go over. Um, like Brother Ovi said, my name is Christian Buya. I'm here with my wife and three children, so if you hear a lot of um, commotion, it's probably from that one back there. Uh, the other two are in Sunday school. And so we've come here to show that not only do we love Ovi and the founding members of, of, of this church, but also everyone that comes here, whether you're a visitor or you're here as a regular loyalist. Um, we love you guys, and we want to help this church in any way, in any capacity whatsoever, uh, because, like I said, you guys do things that are biblical, and we need more and more biblical churches, biblical families, and biblical people. Amen? Um, so why is it that Brother Ovi wants to do a sermon series on Daniel, and why is it that you spend the time, your precious time, uh, especially when it's so beautiful? I mean, I get coming to church in the winter and in the fall, but I mean, we do live in Michigan, and it is fantastic out there. But the reason that you guys do this is because, again, the Bible tells us, and this is not what I'm going to preach on, I just want to let you guys know why you're listening and why it's beneficial in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, it tells us to preach the word. And so you guys actually implemented and actually fulfilled scripture by praying this morning. And what's really cool is now we're also fulfilling scripture and Brother Ovi and the other preachers here by actually doing what the Bible instructs us to do. And that is to preach the word of God. It tells us to be prepared in season and out of season. And I know this is difficult to hear, but it tells us to correct, rebuke, and encourage, but it also tells us how to do that in great patience and in careful instruction. And I think sometimes preachers or churches get in trouble because they read the first half of that sentence, but they don't see the godly wisdom of the second half of that sentence. And so um, it says that there will be a time where people will not put up with sound doctrine. And unfortunately, I believe, well, I can't say I know it's here today, but it's, it's been here for a while. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers, so not just one or two, but, you know, 500 channels worth, uh, to say what their itching ears, yeah, some of you got that, want to hear. And unfortunately, they will turn their, their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. And so the most loving thing that someone could do is what someone like Brother Ovi or myself, and even you men that uh, are priests in your household, the most loving thing you can do is not to buy a yacht for your kids or leave a legacy that, you know, uh, everyone will remember. Uh, it's, it's, it's to preach the word of God into the lives of those around you. And so I'm just doing this now from the pulpit, but I hope and encourage all the men do this uh, everywhere they go with whoever is listening. And so today I want to preach on and teach on a topic that should not be controversial, but again, because we see this verse, it is. And today, to all the mothers that are out there, I would like to say, Happy Mother's Day. And it shouldn't be controversial, but it is. So Happy Mother's Day. I'm so happy. Uh, it's, a, it's a very important um, holiday for me. We'll get to it, why it's so important. Uh, besides the fact that I have a great mother and am married to one of the best mothers, 
Um, to me, it's very important. And so I think it's very fitting that I was asked to come and share this message. And I like how the Holy Spirit and God uh, directs the plans, right? So, you know, was I going to come on the 1st or the 8th or whatever? And the way that it worked out, you know, I was supposed to go to Florida and that got canceled. And so, uh, lo and behold, uh, God is sovereign in all of his decisions. And we're here to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, the reason that Mother's Day is so important to me uh, and, and this topic is because um, 38 years ago, I'm 36 years old, but 38 years ago, my mother was diagnosed with uh, stage three or stage four uh, cancer. It was really bad. We got, my dad got the best um, oncologist or whatever cancer doctors are called um, in the state of Michigan. And they told her and they said, um, you know, you caught it too late. Uh, it's spreading around, and so the best thing you can do is basically just make her comfortable and make sure that she has everything right with the priest or the pastor or whatever your religion is, buy the plot, and uh, brace your two young boys, uh, my two older brothers, uh, that they're not going to have a mother soon, that it's, it's just it's past the point. And so my father, uh, uh, being a part of a church and part of a community that believes in prayer like you guys do, so again... It's very important that uh, you guys, I saw in your mission statement, you guys believe uh, in, in prayer um, as a way of life. And so he prayed earnestly. He called every pastor, every church, uh, anyone who would fast and pray with him. And he, he knew that, you know, after waiting six years of, for marrying this girl, from running away from a country that was oppressive, he finally married her. And now she has cancer, a death sentence hanging above her head. And so 38 years ago, uh, she went in under the knife, and people were praying and fasting, and, and, and um, through the hands of the doctor and through the sovereign um, decision of the Lord, she was clean and cured of cancer. And for 38 years, it's never come back. Not a iota, not one thing. She's been clean because when the Lord heals you, he heals you. The reason that's important is, like I said, that was 38 years ago, and I'm 36 years old. After my mother had this miraculous thing happen to her, she went to the doctors and they said, no matter what happens, uh, don't have any more kids. Because the cancer came when she was pregnant with child number two, with my older brother. And so, not only will it be extremely difficult for you and on your body, but we think that the cancer will come back this way. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed and said, Lord, I feel like we should have more kids. It was a different time, right? And she opened up the Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be given unto you. So she took that as, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have another kid, and if, and if it so happens that the cancer comes back, you healed me once, you can do it again. Miraculously and thankfully and by the good grace of God, the cancer never came, and my mother not only had myself, but another one just to kind of rub it into the doctor's noses. Sorry, Emma. Um, so, so for me, Mother's Day is extremely important. So like it was said, if we can get to the next slide, the, the, the world preaches and teaches about what values mothers have and, and, and what they're to be perceived as. But the Bible also gives a definition in a lot of verses, not just the ones that are listed here. But I just want to show you the, the flip side and the difference that kind of culminates what I read from Second Timothy about the fact that there is a desire for what mothers to be like and to live like and to act like in which God says... And then there's a way in which the world has to say. And uh, spoiler alert, they don't agree. 
And now I want to be very patient with you because um, I, I don't want to come across as saying that, you know, when I, get, when I was born, I came out of the womb Christian and holy, and I knew all my doctrine and all my scripture and everything. I, just like many other people, uh, had wrong doctrine for a lot of years of my life. And that's shocking to say from the pulpit, but I did. And somebody was loving enough to tell me the truth and say, listen, you know what? MTV isn't right about this, and Fox News isn't right about this, and, 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 and the, the, the right and the left, they, they don't have it correct. I know that, you know, it supports your favorite candidate or whatever it might be, but why don't we turn to what God has to say about the topic and then just forget about what others are saying? Because it's just that tickling of the ears that we're warned about. Let's, let's stick to sound doctrine. And those who are wise will have an ear to hear, the Bible says. Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, mothers, Adam calls his wife Eve, and for that, the reason for that is because she is the mother of all who live. Out of women, out of mothers, comes life. You see, if... I know there was a movie a couple of years ago, a couple of decades ago, dates me, uh, with, um, called Children of Men, and it was about the idea that women were no longer capable of having children anymore, none, zero, and the world just goes into utter chaos, and if you think about it right now, if there were no more babies, that's it, God closes the womb to everyone, and that's it, and you think about it, we got about 50, 60 years left, 70 years left, and then, you know, the deer can have all the Mercedes and BMWs and yachts, because it's not going to last to anyone. It was very interesting, but women and mothers, um, and I, I don't want to be sensitive to this because I understand that, especially today with uh, very difficulties, uh, some women can't get pregnant or can't give birth, and I understand it's a sensitive topic, um, and I want to be very careful about that, and we'll talk about that actually and what God has to say about that, but I want to let you know that it has been designed by God for women, for mothers, to provide life. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, a wife or a mother is more precious than treasures. It says here, a wife of noble character, who can find her? She is worth more than rubies. You just have to ask Will Smith or you just have to ask Johnny Depp about the publicized of not having the right mom or the right wife. And so it's amazing that the Bible applies even today because it's true. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, mothers are wise teachers. It's not just for dad to give instruction, it's also for mothers. It says here, hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Very wise teaching. Actually, after I had our first child, I told my mom and my dad just how sorry and horrible I was, even though I wasn't really a bad kid, uh, you know, especially compared to some of my brothers, but... Um, I just told them, I said, listen, I'm sorry, because once I saw the responsibility uh, for a father and a mother, it just changed my whole, my whole perceptive. And so if you're young here and your mothers are alive, uh, it doesn't matter how young or old you are, listen to your mother's teachings. Psalms 127 verse 3 says that children are a heritage, and if you don't speak KGV or KSV or KGV, it stands for a gift, a gift from the Lord, the fruit of a womb of the womb is a reward. So there's a lot of positive things. My favorite aspect of talking to people into the world is say, if you really want equality, if you really want uh, what some people would call feminism, if you really want there to be equal uh, opportunities for men and for women, come to the Bible because the Bible puts so much importance, emphasis, and equality on women and how deserving they are, just like the men, just like the fathers, of eternal life, and to inherit the kingdom just like preachers or anybody else. 
Now, we've gotten it wrong for a long time, especially in church history, where you would think that that's not the case. But I say run to the Bible and be free, not just men, but also women. Now, when we go to the next slide, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm going to tell you the truth is the fact that the world doesn't really echo that. Even though it's ironic that everyone's celebrating Mother's Day, when it's not Mother's Day, there's a different story. You see, it's all fine and dandy how your character is and how you act in front of people, but the real question is how do you act when no one's looking? So yes, everyone celebrates mothers when it's Mother's Day and there's all these commercials and all these ads and I'm sure your Instagram feed is blowing up right now telling you to buy Dove body wash for your mom and Tiffany's bracelets for your mom and, and KFC for your mom. Uh, that, those are my ads. Um, but the world, what do they say about mothers and children not on this day? Not when it's the spotlight, but when they're away from the spotlight. Well, more and more people, more and more young women are choosing to have dogs rather than have children. And actually, there's a book and a pamphlet that I screenshot over there where it says reasons to like your dogs more than your kids. Now, I'm okay with having animals and pets. I had a hamster for a couple years. Um, it's great. And it teaches responsibility. But there's no having dogs or cats or pets over a mother and a woman giving birth and bringing a life into this world. You can argue with me all you want, but let's just go back to the Bible. And so not only do they say that, you know, it's okay, they don't necessarily have kids and, uh, you know, that dogs are better, pets are better, then we have our, our, our celebrities or people that we look up to, our news outlets that tell us that having children, like Michelle Obama would tell us, and I don't care about how your politics are, I just know that this statement is incorrect, that having children was a concession that cost her her dreams. Literally, uh, I don't know how that comes across as me being her kid because my kids are my dreams. I mean, I get it. When I was immature, a Mustang with big fat tires was a dream, and I only realized how immature it was once my baby daughter grabbed my finger. And then I don't, I, I don't care. My dreams changed. They, they're obliterated. And for someone to say that it cost me my dreams to have my children to me is an oxymoron. But that's what they'll teach you before you have kids. And I'll tell you that that's completely incorrect. Hollywood will praise actresses for saying that it's because of their abortion they had when they were 15 or 16 that allowed them to have that celebrity status. And I understand that that message is huge, especially now, even in what's happening in the Supreme Court. And whether you had an abortion or didn't have an abortion, I want to let you understand to teach you that what the world is telling you is incorrect. One of our celebrities that we laugh at, Joe, uh, uh, Seth Rogen, had an interview and he said that uh, I can't have kids because then I can't sleep in on Saturday uh, doing drugs in bed. And so these are the people that write our movies and we laugh at and we support. And they, 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 they give you a message. They, they, they tickle your ears because you think, you know what? Yeah, you know what? It's easier to just crate train a dog and if I miss one of his meals, so be it. With a baby, you can't do that. There's more responsibility. Yeah, maybe I do need to be part of a Fortune 500 company to make money, to leave money to children who don't even want to speak to me. So there's all these messages going around, and it's very attractive, and it tickles our ears to say, you know what, maybe it is about me. Mothers, maybe it isn't about having children, or, or, or it's, it's defining our lives by our jobs or our careers, where the Bible tells us that it's not defined by any of those things, but our lives are to be defined by God and our family both mothers and fathers. And if you got it wrong, know that there is grace here today that is being extended to you to change your mind. 
Because the Bible says when we come together to renew our minds. Well, how do you do that? Well, you're presented with something that you thought or that you did believe, and God has poured grace and new knowledge over you to now have it renewed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So next slide, please. I have just a couple examples. Uh, One example of a, I don't want to say bad mom, because this example isn't really that bad of a mom. If you read further on down on Herodias and Athelia, uh, they're bad moms. Uh, But I used kind of a, a, a nice example today. For Sarah, and I want to just kind of correlate the dangers when you are a mother or when you're going to be a mother, uh, and, and so an, an example to, to learn from, how not to do it, and an example on how to do it. And this example is, is, is about Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, and I don't know if you guys are churched well enough or know scripture well enough, really quickly, they're the founding parents of the nation of Israel. And so, forward it even more, centuries and they're the great, 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 great grandparents of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So they're, they have an important family line. And so Abraham and Sarah, they're old. He's in his 80s at this time in, in, in Genesis chapter 16. And she's in his 70s. And I don't recommend anyone in their 80s or 70s to have children. But the Lord promised, I know, I know, and now I'm going against my word. Trust me, it'll be difficult. Um, <laughs> So they're, they're old, but God promised this couple that they would be uh, the father of a, of a large nation, uh, you know, countless people. And so when you don't have kids, it, it, come, it comes to be kind of uh, impossible. Uh, but God promises this, and you need kids for that. So this is a, a chapter after God promises to Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have children. And so she runs out of patience, and, and I can't read the whole chapter because we would run out of time, but basically this is what happens. She's running out of patience with the promise of God and with her faith in God and in this covenant of God. It was just a chapter before. And she takes matters into her own hands. For those of you that don't know the story, she takes one of her maidservants, which is much younger than seven years old, and she offers it to her husband so that maybe the lineage and the promise that was going to come from her husband was not through her, even though the promise was through her, And she decided, maybe out of good motivation, to do something about it. She didn't want to wait anymore. And so she offered her maidservant to Hagar, and uh, her name was Hagar, and they actually had a kid, Abraham and Hagar. And while she thought it was a good idea, jealousy took over, hatred took over, and suffering came into the picture. You see, she suffers because her faith was not in the promise giver. Her faith was in the promise. And so she kept looking at the promise instead of the one who made the promise. And I'm sure out of good reason, she said, you know, I'm old. This isn't going to happen. Let's just, you know, maybe she was trying to help. Like many times, I'm sure I do, I'm sure mothers do, they, they, they try to help. They, I'm doing this for your best. And sometimes we're hindering and hurting. And so what happens here is the fact that he has a boy, uh, Abraham and Hagar has a boy, which let me just put a, a side note here because I'm not preaching on Father's Day, but Abraham, guys, come on. When your wife comes with the idea <laughs> of, of, of marrying a younger maidservant for the promises of God to be kept, uh, don't say yes. You know the promise too. As enticing as maybe it was, he knew that the promise was not just for Abraham. His promise was for him and his wife. And some of you, maybe mothers, are giving up either on your husbands or on your children or on what great things that God has said and promised to you through his scripture or through prophecy or through whatever has been spoken to you and to your heart. 
And I want to tell you this morning to not be like Sarah and put your faith on that promise, on that hope that one day I'll be cancer-free, that one day I'll have a child, that one day we'll be out of debt, that one day we'll... Don't look at the promises. Look at the one who made that promise. For he is good, he is merciful, he is just. So what happens to Sarah? Does she get thrown out of the picture? No, God is still God and he keeps his promises even when we don't keep ours, which tends to make us want to keep our promises to God. Because I know that when I break my promises, I mean, my wife is merciful, but she can only be so much merciful, right? So much mercy. And he keeps his promise, and 15 years later, at age 85, she gets pregnant. Because God is good, even when we're not. But I'm hoping that that type of truth awakens in us a desire to want to be in love, serve, pray, and live a life honoring the Lord. Amen? Next slide will be a a good example or a better example. She's going to be Elizabeth, one of the aunts of Jesus Christ. And they're in a very similar scenario where they still don't have a child, and they're also very elderly in age. Not as old as Abraham and Sarah. They're probably about in their 60s and 70s, so give or take 10 years. And so her husband, Zechariah, also came from an important family and had important things to do, just like Abraham and Sarah but they had no kids. And so as he was being a priest, an angel told him that he's going to have a child and the child will be the one who we knew to be John the Baptist. What's interesting is that even though they didn't have children and at that time to not have a child was considered to be a disgrace, they still, the Bible says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God and observed all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So what that tells me is that this, Despite all of their scenarios and what was happening in their life, their difficulties and whatnot, they always kept their focus on the one who gave the promise, not to the promise. And so she, Elizabeth, gets pregnant, the same exact elderly type of woman gets pregnant, and she says this, the Lord has done this for me. Wasn't the, was the Lord working for her even when she didn't have a child? Yeah. And this is the good example. There are many other good examples like Hannah and Jacobed in the Bible, but I love Elizabeth because in spite of the fact that I'm sure people were talking about her, and oh, how did she sin because she doesn't have any kids and and what did they do wrong and are they stealing from the temple because he's a high priest and yada, yada, yada. No, no, no. She doesn't do her own uh, reconciliation with the people. God speaks for her and says everyone's wrong. Watch this. You don't think that she can have a baby and he does a miracle in her life and rewards Elizabeth, what is this telling me and telling us mothers? Please don't focus on on the promises. Focus on the promise giver. Focus on the Lord. Focus on the one who desires to want to do and work through and through your family. You know, I, I just find it amazing because for me it's very difficult. Usually I say, God, once you bless me, then I'll obey. But Elizabeth is a different kind of Christian, a different kind of follower. Lord, even if you don't bless me. I'll obey. And to have a mother like that, to want to be a mother like that, to want to be a spouse like that, to not have these grand, well, you know, you got to buy me a house in Florida, you got to buy me a house in the Key West, you got to buy me a Mercedes. Those are all good goals. But a wife and a mother who understands that it's not those things that are of value to me, 
It's being a mother and being a wife the way God tells us. Amen? What about if you can't have kids? Let's go to the next slide. This idea of being mothers to other people. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who writes the majority uh, or close to the majority of the New Testament, he has very close friends and he has mothers who he considers to be like a mother for him, the Bible says. Now, he doesn't mention his mother. I looked. I don't see a mention of, you know, the great Apostle Paul's mother somewhere. I mean, he knew the Bible. He knew the, or, sorry, the Torah. He knew the, the teachings. I'm sure his mother had some role in his life, but he doesn't call her out in Scripture. She's not remembered throughout eternity in the Word of God, but these people are. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he speaks of his friend Timothy, who is basically always by Paul's side, no matter what rumors are said about him, no matter what's going on. And it says this, about Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and now in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now also lives in you. You see, the impact that a godly mother can have lasts generations. Absolute, every decision that you make as a mother impacts so many lives. It can impact, I mean, we see here that it impacts Lois, who probably never thought that she would have an impact on the great apostle Paul, who penned so many epistles in the scripture. That's not the reason that she was a godly woman, because one day someone will take my influence and write a book of the Bible because of my work. No, 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 no. She did it because this is what the Lord was asking and so she brought that faith, and she shared that faith, and she lived that faith with her child, who then had another child, her grandchild, Timothy, who now supports the, one of the mightiest works of the New Testament through the Apostle Paul. Okay, well, what if you don't have children? Well, Romans chapter 16, verse 13 says this. It says, greet Rufus, which is a strange name, but an important name, chosen in the Lord, and his mother... So he gives a shout out, you know, that will last forever, to the mother of Rufus, who has been a mother to me also. There are so many children that need the loving uh, and, and the compassion that comes from a mother, and if you can't have children, and if the adoption is not working out, or something is, is, is hindering you from having children, understand that you can be a mother to so many. You can be a grandmother to so many. There needs to be more godly salt and light in the women's community and culture like never before. To destroy toxic mommy culture that mommy needs another glass of wine or mommy needs this. No, mommy needs Jesus. And all of the victory and all the promise and all the beauty in life comes when we follow Jesus. And more women need to hear that and more mothers need to hear that. Who is Rufus? Well, when Jesus was carrying the cross beaten and battered and could not carry it himself, they grabbed a strong man named Simon from Cyrene. In Mark chapter 15, verse 21, it says that his children are, uh, he is the father of Alexander and Rufus. And I believe Paul is calling out Rufus here because the father was the first to see the gospel of Jesus Christ. He shared it with his wife, and the mother impacted Rufus who is like a father to the Apostle Paul, sorry, like a mother to the Apostle Paul. That's not why they did it. That wasn't their motivation, but I can guarantee you this, that being a godly mother, being a godly woman, being a godly wife will have impacts on people who are not just your children, but your children's friends, your children's teachers, the, a lot. So I'm going to focus on the, the promise giver. I know I talked a lot about the promises. I want to end focusing on the promise giver. 
Can I get to the next slide? As great as the love of a mother is, greater is the love of God. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 15 says this, Can a mother forget the baby who she has nursed and not have compassion on the child that she has born? Rhetorical question because unfortunately we see this from time to time. But the Lord promises this, though she may forget, and I know you mothers that are here or who are listening to this sermon or who have children, nothing, and I mean nothing, can rip your kids from you. And anyone that is putting them in danger or that is questioning, trust me, I know mama bear syndrome, okay? I, I live with a, a really tough one, okay? So if the book comes in, if the TV show comes in, if the music comes in, if, if friends from, you know, it's not a legalistic household, it's a protective household because she nursed them, she grew them, she knows what's out there to want to consume them, and she protects them. So she doesn't forget. But even if she were, trust me, I... My, but even if my wife were to forget our children, Charlotte, Evelyn, Elise, God would never forget them. And even if our hand is far from them and I can't protect them anymore and I can't bless them anymore, I know that God does not forget their name. Isaiah 66 verse 13, as a mother comforts her child, man, being comforted by mom is like being comforted by no one else. She knows. She knows where to scratch you in the back of the head. She knows how to make that grilled cheese. She knows how to, she knows. But God says, just like her, I will comfort you and you will be comforted. And I know that some of you are going through very difficult times today. Maybe you don't have that mother to speak wisdom into your life, to bake you that meal, to say that right thing. But there is God who is looking to comfort you in your trying times. The question is, are you willing to come to him? The last slide is, is a picture. It's not graphic, so you can look, but it's a, the link is a story about how UK soldiers in Afghanistan and Kabul at the airport were crying and very impacted by the fact that Afghan mothers were throwing their children, their, their babies, to the soldiers that were on the other side of the fence. Knowing full well that in this country there's nothing but suffering, there's nothing for them. And even if they can't get out, it's not about them, it's about their kids. And at the greatest of sacrifice, they're willing to give them to a stranger to know that maybe they have a chance because staying they have none. And the mother is, is, I'm sure, guilted by it, and I'm sure torn by it, but she knows that there will be famine, and, and rather than to see their children starve or, or to sell them into sexual slavery or whatever it may be, it is better that they are separated from them to give them to these soldiers. And maybe one day, by the grace of God, they would be reunited, but I'm sure that's not what was in their head. What was in their head is, I have to save my child. There is destruction coming for my kid. There is, there is, there is torment. There is destruction. And so he had, she had to do something. And you can see this gruesome picture of just grabbing that baby by the hand. And, and it brings to me the perfect picture of God and us as his children. Knowing full well that sin is going to bring death and destruction and hellfire and torment. And he knows that he's got to do something to get you out of there. He's got to save you. There's nothing uh, uh, redeeming about this world. 
The closest that some people will get to heaven is this world. But the beauty is that the closest that some people will get to hell is also this world. The only differentiation is are you lifted up? Are you taken out of there? And the baby that wasn't just given to go to a better place. No, no, no. It was a son known as Jesus Christ, the son of God, who was taken our place in that suffering, in that, in, in that, in that horrible place of death and destruction. You see, God didn't willingly move Jesus from a place of destruction into a place of comfort. No, he did the unthinkable. If you think this is difficult on a mother, imagine a father or a mother who gives their son back in place. Send them back to the raping, send them back to the suffering, send them back to where the sin is. Yeah, to take the place of me and you. If you really want to understand what the worth and the value is of God sending his son into the world, it's the opposite of this. It's not the, I need to save uh, Jesus, I need to save my only begotten son. It's I need to save Chris, I need to save Olive, I need to save John, I need to save George. And the only way to do this is to give my son, not save him. Do the great exchange. Put him on that cross instead of them so that they can have redemption in the name and the sacrifice in the blood of Jesus. Amen? I love Mother's Day. I hope you do too. I hope that it doesn't take the moment that you become a mother to understand the importance of it. I hope it doesn't take you becoming a mother to understand the godly influence that needs to come from mothers, from wives, from women, to understand that there's such a toxic and destroying culture out there looking to destroy everything and everyone. But mothers, be like Elizabeth. Learn from Sarah. Learn from the mothers who fling their children over the guarded and barbed wire wall. Nothing is more precious than our kids. It's not over time. It's not to being a CEO of Fortune 500 company. It's your kids. And I have a group chat with some of my unsaved friends from college that I graduated with, and they're wondering, man, are you going to have another kid? And I know that's a personal question. And I said, I want to have another one. And they think that I was crazy. Three is already too much. Normal household is like 1.7, right? One and a dog. There's that dog again. And I said, I'm blessed to know and fortunate enough to know when I'm 36 and not 86 that my kids are the most important thing in my life. And kids, you might not have a mom or a dad that believes that or knows that. But the Bible says for us to honor our mother and father. And I know that by obeying that, one day your parents will come to that realization. It might be too late. It might not be soon as much as you want. But God has his promises for you. Let's not look at the promises as our redemption, but the one who makes those promises. Amen? May the Lord richly bless you. Work in your lives. Work in this church. Work in the pastors, the volunteers, the poor sisters that are out there doing nursery and Sunday school and running around. May God bless every single one of these chairs to be filled with mothers and fathers and children who love the Lord. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.